Packers are all looking. Deep padded downfield. Touchdown, Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is late Sunday night. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, you already know what time it is. It is Victory Monday. It is three straight For your Miami Dolphins, we are over 500. We have the number one scoring defense in the National Football League at 18.5 points per game. We're going to detail all of that in this Sunday night slash Monday recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. The Dolphins 28-17 win over the Los Angeles Rams. Game notes, stats, my five takeaways, individual notes, and as always, John Jemmy here. All of that and more on this Sunday, November the 1st recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation, where Dolphins fans can sell their vehicle for cash now. Visit AutoNation.com. And before we really get into recapping this Miami win. Dolphins... Win, 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 win. I want to go ahead and start with some pregame notes. We saw that Malcolm Perry was up and in action. Thought it was really cool to see him get his first playing time, his first reception as an NFL player. We saw plenty of the pistol, plenty of the spread out concepts, plenty of that RPO action there with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, some different looks on offense. We're going to get to more of that here in the takeaways portion. We saw the defense varying their pressure looks, playing that hook zone with different guys up front. Man, what a game plan from this Dolphins defensive staff and the Dolphins coaching staff in general as they get their third consecutive win to move to four and three on the season. Buffalo did beat New England late in that game, so the Dolphins are still a game and a half out of the AFC East. The Colts also won, so we are still one game back of them chasing for that seventh spot in the AFC playoff picture as well. So Miami moving on up in terms of their win total, trying to pursue those teams ahead of them with the schedule coming up. Hopefully we can keep stacking some wins and get on top of those teams here in the near future. Let's go ahead and talk about the game notes in this one. Some interesting factoids for you out there as the Dolphins have now won three games in a row for the first time since 2018. The Dolphins have won four of their past five and nine of the last 16 games. Today was the first time since November 1st, 2009, so on the anniversary, 11 years ago, that the Dolphins scored a touchdown on offense, defense, and special teams in the same game, all three of those happening in the first half of this game. And according to that graphic on Fox, I tweeted out, the Dolphins are the first team since the Colts in 2004 to lead by 18-plus points at halftime in three consecutive games. Miami's got their fifth win in their past eight home games. They are now 12-3 and all-time against the Rams and have 22 wins in their past 36 games at Hard Rock Stadium since the final renovations there in 2016 at Hard Rock Stadium. Jakeem Grant's 88-yard punt return touchdown was the longest return in Miami Dolphins history. He now has his fifth career touchdown return, a Dolphins record that he extended. He also broke O.J. McDuffie's mark of 2,103 kickoff return yards. Jakeem surpassed that to climb into sixth all-time in Dolphins kickoff return yardage. So plenty of good stuff there from Jakeem Grant. Eric Rowe had four pass breakups today. That was the most in a single game this year in the National Football League. And Jerome Baker hit his 250th tackle in the game. He is the first Dolphins player since Channing Crowder between 2005 and 2007 to have 250 tackles through his first three years as a pro. So good on all those guys. 
Plenty more to come here. Let's go ahead and jump into the stats for the day for your Miami Dolphins. We know the box score wasn't super pretty. The Dolphins had a bunch of big plays on special teams and defense that kept the Dolphins defense and Rams offense on the field. So as a result, Miami 145 total yards to the Rams 471. Miami had 55 rushing yards. The Rams had 131. Miami had 90 passing yards. The Rams 340. But again, takeaways, four first half takeaways for the Miami Dolphins, two in total for the Rams, a couple of fumbles they recovered there from the Dolphins. The Dolphins were three of 12 on third down. The Rams were seven out of 17. The Dolphins had the number one third down defense coming into the day and really put the clamps on the Rams offense through those first three quarters. A couple of drives there at the end, they piled up some yards and a couple of third down conversions to kind of help that number out. Miami had two sacks. The Rams had one. The Dolphins had the football for 23 minutes, 31 seconds. The Rams for 36 minutes and 29 seconds. And penalties, five against Miami for 45 yards and three against the Rams for 30 yards. And again, you go back to the four drives that I think basically were taken off the board for the Miami Dolphins offense in terms of even having a chance to produce yardage. We had a fumble on the second play of the drive, the opening drive of the game for the Dolphins, a fumble turnover. That drive goes by the wayside. You have Miles Gaskin on the first play of a drive. He fumbles the football. That drive goes away as well. And then you get it back on the defensive side with the strip sack from Emmanuel Ogba, and that really started the entire avalanche of points there for the Dolphins in that second quarter. But you score on that play, so that's an offensive drive by the wayside once again. Then you get another defensive stop on the following drive, and Jakeem Grant takes it 88 yards to the house so the offense doesn't get a chance to see the field. So take that into consideration. Take the context into these stats as far as the offense goes. Obviously, they have to play better. Tua mentioned it. Brian Flores mentioned it. But he did also mention it's a team win, a team game. It's never one guy. It's all 11 guys on the field at once. But giving you some context for why the offense maybe didn't play up to the standard of the expectation in the words of Tua Tungabailoa, maybe some context behind that can help you with that. But also remember that there is room to grow and room to improve this year for this offense, for this team in every phase and every area of the game. With that, let's go ahead and jump into our five takeaways here on the Drive Time Podcast, the recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast brought to you by AutoNation. And we start here with takeaway number one from the Dolphins' 28-17 victory over the Los Angeles Rams at Hard Rock Stadium. Once again, the third straight win. And the first takeaway was the defensive plan and the calls and the way the game just played out defensively from how the Dolphins planned to heat up Jared Goff and executed it on the field on Sunday going with those zero rush looks and cover zero just means you're not going to put a safety back there you're going to go man up across the board and put pressure on the quarterback and run that thing straight up mano imano and they got pressure on the interior throughout the course of this game and pressure off the edge and that mirrored up with those zero looks in the back end or if they were in man or if they were in zone whatever it was they found a way to play complimentary football on defense and the calls just gelled well together with the games up front with the overload pressures whatever it might have been everything was clicking for that defense in this game called a great game Emmanuel Ogba said Josh Boyer was to to earn the credit for that for calling that great game they showed So much pressure in every single gap throughout the course of the game with different guys backing out. Defensive line would fall out. Linebacker would fall out. Safeties would go up there and fall out or rush the quarterback. And that's disrupting all the crossers in the middle of the field that the Rams tried to run in this game or that they do try to run in general, throwing the football over the middle in that short underneath area because you're not sure who to account for to throw the football in that spot. That's why you wind up with Christian Wilkins getting a a pass thrown right into his chest and he squeezes that thing and holds on for the first pick of his career. All the twisting and stunting up front to get those interior pressure looks so that when Jared Goff hit the top of his drop, 
he had to think otherwise. And by the time he did think otherwise, he had a big old paw in his face with that contained rush, throwing bodies back into the quarterback, messing up the area where he wants to kind of step and drive into those throws. He's a big, tall pocket passer. And you crowd that area and make it uncomfortable you're going to wind up with several failed plays and incomplete passes and turnovers and sacks and plays that do not progress for the offense. And despite the high passing total, you had enough negative plays that it didn't matter at all by the time the end of the game came around. And the way the Dolphins just consistently went after him and made him uncomfortable on, and even when they tried to go play action and bootleg him out the backside, they had Nick Needham or another person there to greet him right in his face and force him to set up and throw because he's not going to beat you with the speed or the quickness and, and try to juke you and get around you that way he wants to throw the football a a more traditional pocket passing quarterback and he just wasn't able to do it for the most part and when you go with that zero pressure look and get all those bodies up front like McCain and Rowe for instance it creates multiple free runs at the quarterback because if you can confuse them by a half second on the defense you've won you're going to get that free run from Jerome Baker up the middle or Bobby McCain off the edge or Emmanuel Ogba coming in the three as a three technique between the guard and tackle out there they were going cover zero with a 21-point lead in the first half and just unrelenting, knowing exactly how to attack that quarterback in that offense. And they did it. They made him uncomfortable throughout the game. I want to go ahead and play Brian Flores' take on this, on the on the ability to make Goff uncomfortable. Here's coach for about a minute and a half. And at the end of it, he tells you about the Rams forcing them to do some things that maybe they didn't want to do in this game. You know, I think every week we, we you know, Josh and uh, you know, our defensive staff, they did a, good, a really good job this week. Uh, coming up with, you know, different things that we think will give them some problems. Uh, Looking in, in a week's time, there's only so much we can give the players um, of what we gave them. They executed. Um, and we were able to put some pressure on the quarterback. And, uh, you know, just looking at the stats here, we, you know, we, they did run the ball pretty effectively. And, you know, you know, we did give up some passing yards, but I thought we were able to, you know, put pressure on the quarterback. And uh, I thought – you know, overall, we played well. We kept the points down and you know, got off the field on third down um, quite a bit. So, um, but yeah, you know, different looks, uh, trying to put pressure, trying to apply pressure. Sometimes it's not necessarily the sack total, but um, I think you can, you know, you can watch a game and see um, that a quarterback, it feels, you know, feels this. I think that's you know, essentially what you're looking for. I'm not sure how many sacks we had today, but um you know, I know that we, we you know, we, we applied some pressure um, and forced them to do some other things offensively. Maybe they didn't want to do, you know, just, you know, keep a back end, keep a tight end and things of that nature. So keeping the back and the tight end in, one thing I noticed and I pointed out to John Kinjemi throughout the course of the game, and we'll hear from him here in just one second, was look at that running back they're bringing up to the line of scrimmage and having him just kind of pick out the A or B gap rusher that comes in there to really help Goff have that central area of the pocket to operate in. They they changed the way the Rams attacked them offensively, and man, it made a big difference. And I think that's why these stats always, always, always require context because you're going to look at the box score and see over 400 yards of offense for the Rams and that's why to me the best defenses concern themselves with the one stat that truly matters points 18.5 points per game number one in the National Football League right now the Dolphins 
adjusted to the Rams' adjustments to them in a way that I thought helped preserve that lead because the Rams down by 18 points. How many of those quick outs did they take to Cooper Cup and to Robert Woods and the Dolphins kind of playing off just saying, take those five yards because we have an 18-point lead. You're giving yourself only two or three more possessions with needing three possessions to score and to stop us on those three possessions. Like That really helps the Dolphins' chances of winning that game if you want to shorten the game by taking those underneath things. So that was kind of what they had to do to get the ball out of Goss' hands quickly because of all the pressure applied by Miami and the good blanket coverage there on the back end, man. It was it was fun to watch this team operate in unison on defense today with all the all the looks and all the different packages and the depth at each position, the guys that came in waves because this thing was swarming, it was dominant. It's what we've been talking about really, you know, on drive time and, and going back to my time with Locked On Dolphins for a couple of years now with how this defense wants to be with that rush contained big guys, big, strong guys that can reset the line and force the quarterback to have to get off that original spot and force the interior pressure. Don't run around the quarterback, push the pressure into the quarter, right into the quarterback's lap. Then you get great man coverage on the back end from pretty much every defensive backs. We know this roster has three safeties who are playing the most right now, Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, and Brandon Jones. They've all got cornerback experience. So the Dolphins identified what they wanted on defense. And I think through seven games, the the proof is in the pudding with the numbers right there. They know what they wanted. They went out and got it. And right now at this moment, it's producing. Got to continue to build on that and stack on that. And let's go ahead and play my uh, question and answer from Eric Rowe here in the post-game press conference. I want to put that question because it provides better context for kind of how I tried to ask him this question about the confidence level the Dolphins get in playing that cover zero. Here's Eric Rowe on the confidence level of cover zero. The confidence level it gives you when coach consistently goes back to that cover zero look and trusts you guys to kind of match up on the back end and not have any of that help over the top. Oh, man, it's, it's just a mindset. Yeah, I mean, we've been working on it <clears throat> since training camp. Uh, I mean, it started out rough, uh, but, you know, everyone sees, you know, the results that it puts, you know, the line, the coordinator, the quarterback, you know, puts pressure on all of them. And it kind of results, I mean, you know, quick passes, tip balls. I mean, we're getting turnovers or sacks. And obviously, I mean, when they were off the field. So, you know, every time we call it, we have, you know, all of us have high confidence. It was just fun to see the confidence level in them up 21 nothing, running that zero look and having it be so effective still at that stage in the game. So I just go back to a few recent performances here from this defense, and I think they've proven they can really handle certain types of quarterbacks and really put the clamps on them. I mean, it's been Jared Goff last week, Joe Flacco the week prior to that. They really got after Jimmy Garoppolo in the previous game to that. I'm curious to see how they continue to attack those style of quarterbacks, but also next week Miami has a big challenge in the way Kyler Murray plays. That guy is so quick to be able to get off of his spot, so it'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins can defend him and that Cardinals offense. But for now, this Dolphins defense really playing well. Takeaway number two, that first one was a long one. New offensive looks in general. We saw the opening of the game, Malcolm Perry and Jakeem Grant in the opening opening play of the game, the opening package of the game were on the field together and you have the fake fly sweep there with Grant coming across the formation. You're doing some of the RPO game as well as Tua kind of keys and reads that linebacker and that edge defender to, to, to decide if he wants to keep it, to, to keep the ball in the belly of Gaskin or Brita or pull that thing out and rip it and throw it. The quick hitch and flip, the, the flick of the wrist that he has back there, saw that get utilized in this game. And kind of utilizing some of the strengths of Tua we saw in college there at Alabama coming out. The quick feet, the quick setup, the ability to accurately throw the football. thought we saw plenty of that as well. But just this new style of offense and, and kind of the same 
vision as far as the defense goes with Eric Rowe talking about how, yeah, the first couple of games we didn't get the results we wanted, but now as kind of time develops and we have time to work on it and build on that, you see it grow and accumulate and have success halfway through the season now, just about one more game till the halfway point. You have to kind of consider that offensively as well, that a new quarterback, sure, there are probably going to be similar system things as well, but you do have different strengths you build on with those quarterbacks and kind of develop that chemistry. So with Tua Tungavailoa in the game, give that that new style, that new version of the offense with, with his direction time to kind of develop. I think we saw the beginning stages of that in this game, and I think we'll continue to see more of that going forward, obviously, as he plays quarterback. Let's go ahead and get to a quote here from Tua. As the first question posed to him was, how do you feel like you performed in this game tonight? Well, you know, I, I don't think I played to the standard of what this offense is capable of. Um, you know, there were there were certain plays where, you know, I could have stepped up and, and made the right throw, um, made the right decision. But oh, I've, I've heard heard it many times from the guys in the locker room. Um, you know, it, it's, it's good that we still came out with the win. Um, and aside from that, no. <laughs> thank God we got a good defense. I think that's just the perfect quote right there. Thank God we got a good defense. Complete team complimentary football win for your Miami Dolphins. A couple of things I liked about Tua's game was on the touchdown pass, we saw the Rams really bring the heat and really send the house as far as blitzers come after him. And he hung in there and threw that ball off the kind of awkward platform because of the quick setup you have to have with that much pressure. You just you can't block seven, eight guys because you're not going to have that many guys in the block. So you're going to get pressure. So his ability to kind of adapt the arm angle and get the feet right to make the throw accurate. We, again, we saw that plenty of times when he was at Bama to see it in the pros here to be able to rip that ball accurately to Devontae Parker, who made one hell of a catch. That was great to see. And that really leads into my next point. And I said this to John and Jimmy during the middle of the game. I said, watch the way he has this, this zip when he throws the football on those, those plays where he's laterally with the line of scrimmage moving to his left and kind of has to torque his hips and really flick that thing out there. He has, we know he has the large hands. He measured large hands, I guess that metric, at the scouting combine. So to grip it and to drive that thing on those tough throws on the move, thought that was cool to see. Talked about the quick feet in the RPO game. I thought the deep shot to Mike Gesicki was an absolute dime, but the defender made a hell of a play to break that thing up. So that was looking good. The Jakeem Grant comeback route before the touchdown pass to Parker to set them up at first and goal down there. Tua kind of went through the whole progression of the play and whipped his head back to that pl- part of the field. And you, you saw it on the TV replay up there in the press box, you saw him kind of pick through his way uh, across the field as his head kind of moved across the field there and his ability to kind of know the backside picture by looking at the front side picture. We saw him talk about that on ESPN detail with Nick Saban. I thought that was kind of cool and on display there. And there's, again, just there's something there I think can grow each and every game, each and every day, each and every rep with this offense. Takeaway number three, special teams remains on top of it, man. Big blocks on that punt return. Jakeem Grant talks about it here a little bit. We'll go ahead and play his sound, but Nobody really even got near Jakeem on that play. There was a possible back uh, block in the back that I think it was I think it was Igbo, but I'll have to check on that. Where he kind of comes in but puts his hands up and doesn't get the block in the back, like he was aware that he was in position to do that. Gets his hands up, doesn't commit the penalty, and Jakeem from there break an arm tackle and go off to the distance, off to the races. Just you're not you're not going to catch that guy. That was fun to watch. They were third in DVOA coming into the game. I have to imagine that improves with a good return game and the excellent coverage throughout the course of this game. One kickoff out of bounds. I leaned over to Kanjemi and said that was the first mistake Jason Sanders has made all year. So special teams remains on top of it. And let's go ahead and hear of the star of that unit for this game on that one play. Jakeem Grant, the 88-yard punt return. Here he is on that play. Um, 
man. We, Coach went into it. He told me that I was going to get an opportunity to fill one, and we know that uh, Hector is a great punter. So it was only the only one opportunity that I got a chance of, and made the most of it. Like all credit to my, you know, my teammates that's all, that was on the unit. I don't even think I got touched. So like I said, man, it's all credit to them. Gotta love hearing that again. These guys have the same team first mindset. We heard Christian Wilkins also in his press conference availability talk about the mentality of this team and taking on the personality of the structure of how this team was was constructed as far as, you know, having that relentless tough-minded mentality of these guys that kind of bounce back. And, and Coach Flores talked about that as well with the mental fortitude, the mental toughness to overcome a tough start, right? 7-0 off the bat, wound up being 28-7 there in the blink of an eye. So the mental toughness, I think that was that kind of resonates there. And you hear Jakeem Grant talk in that way on his post-game presser. So takeaway number three, special teams remains on top right now. A top five, if not three, if not number one or two in this NFL. Takeaway number four, this team's versatility and the complementary style of football Christian Wilkins comes in at fullback and leads Miles Gaskin in for the touchdown run there, but also to peel back and play coverage as a defensive tackle, you know, at 300 plus pounds, dropping into that hook zone, getting the interception in the middle of the field. Let's go ahead and hear from Christian Wilkins, who was more than happy to break down his pick in his postgame presser. Um, you know, well, it was, it was, a, so let me, let me take you out to the play. Let me take it to the mind of a, of a, of a, of a defensive back, you know, <laughs> they call me to drop, uh, it gets all in the hips. I just really had to open my hips and break on the ball. You know what I'm saying? I, I saw I, I saw the line of the quarterback. You know, I see where he wanted to go. So I just had to break, follow his eyes. I was able to break um, and make a nice play for the team. Just happy to make plays that could help us win. Let's go ahead and keep the, the topic here on Christian for just one second, who also, again, lined up at fullback to lead Gaskin into the end zone. He explains his interception on that play, kind of dropping into coverage and playing the quasi-linebacker hook zone, playing coverage in that area, but then talking about playing fullback and and maybe having a chance to do what he did last year and catch a touchdown from that fullback position. Here's Christian Wilkins on playing offense. I mean, I've been saying it for, for a couple of years now that I could play a legit receiver in this league or you know be a legit offensive weapon. Um, and hopefully coaches and everybody else will start taking me a little more serious about that because, you know, I'd, I'd like to, ultimately, like I said, I just like to help the team. So. And Christian finishes up that answer with a, a big, jolly laugh, too. So he's always kind of joking around after these winning press conferences. Always a fun time to talk to Christian there as well. And let's go ahead and hear from Coach Flores real quick on Christian Wilkins' interception today. First, the momentum and kind of how it swung the tide of the game, but also about him bugging coaches about using his hands on the offensive side. Yeah, I think it was... Um... You know, we got off to a slow start. So, you know, when I talk about the mental toughness of the team, I think, you know, that was part of it. We got off to a slow start, had a turnover, they scored, we're down. Uh, I think they get the ball back and you know, we just keep playing hard. And it was a big interception by Christian. Um, you know, he's always talking about how great his hands he has. And you know, now I got to listen to that, uh, you know, moving forward. And he's going to ask for the ball and, you know, goal line situations and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it's worth listening to it, you know, I guess. I don't know if he's going to make good plays like that. So, Hey, how good of a quote is that? You're going to make plays. We'll go ahead and give you opportunities, big fella. So big game for Christian Wilkins once again. I liked at one point the 2019 first-round draft pick sets up the 2020 first-round draft pick or the first of the three draft picks for the interception to the touchdown. Who throws it to the 2015 first-round draft pick? So Dolphins draft picks making plays all over the field. But back to the original point, the team's versatility for Christian Wilkins to play those multiple roles and the complementary style of football. You get the offense turns the football over, the defense gets them the football right back. And not only that, they scoop it up and take it back 78 yards for the touchdown there for Andrew Van Ginkle. The defense gets a big-time three and out, so you have to get that stop to force the punt on a long field so you're not pinning the punt deep 
inside the 10, 20 yard line, right? They get the long punt and Jakeem Grant turns it into 88 yards for a touchdown. Complimentary style of football. Out of the Wilkins pick, the Dolphins score. One play is great, but you start stringing together three, four, five, hell, a whole quarter of explosive plays. That's how you create these massive insurmountable leads that change the way the game is played from that point forward. 28-10, this game was completely different than it was at the opening gun because you change the way you play when you go up by three scores. And you, we had Cameron Wake talk about this thing, this exact idea after the Miami miracle about how there, there was plays made before the miracle occurred that allowed us to get to that moment. And we just continue to see that from this Dolphins team. You land in Roberts, the big TFL before Emmanuel Ogba's fumble. Byron Jones, great coverage on third down before Jakeem, Jakeem Grant's big punt return. Gaskin getting it down to the three yard line on the second down run before Tua's touchdown pass to Devontae Parker. So versatile players, both that can play multiple positions and, and be versatile on what you ask them to do. Complimentary style football, the fourth takeaway. Our fifth takeaway is having the multiple ways to win. And I'm going to go ahead and just let Coach Flores take this one from here. But total team effort, offense, defense, special teams. I thought it was a really good drive, but by the offense at the end, picking up a first down, we really need it. And we need that in the fourth quarter. So, you know, as far as, you know, the rest of the game. I mean, that was, you know, plays in the fourth quarter are critical, and, you know, they showed up for us um, and got us a big first down late. So um, a lot of things for us to improve on like there are every week, but um, good good team effort. And I think our guys showed a lot of mental toughness this week. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, quarterback change and, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I think, I thought they showed a lot of mental toughness. And I thought uh, there was a lot of other things going on uh, basically aside from football, I would say, and, you know, those guys kind of put that stuff to the back burner and really, you know, focused and prepared and, um, you know, played well. Yeah, getting the team to be all on the same page regardless of the outside noise is something Coach Flores definitely preaches. And, he, you know, they walked the walk today. So the ability to find multiple ways to win, not just the special teams making the big plays or the defense making big plays, but offense converting first downs and the defense absolutely had to have a breath or two on the, in the late in the game in the fourth quarter with the Rams trying to find ways to get those long sustained drives. So multiple ways to win, mental toughness, the team taking on the personality of their head coach. All three of those, we'll go ahead and marry those up for our final takeaway here on the podcast. Before we get to John and Jim, you want to go over ahead and go over some individual notes because there are some names we did not touch on yet that I think we'd be remiss if we did not do that. At receiver, Isaiah Ford had a clutch catch on a third and one that turned into 10 yards before the after the Rams' fourth quarter touchdown, so to not stay on the field and get the defense right back onto the field after that quick turn there, I thought that was super important. Along the offensive line, I had a couple of nice blocks from Solomon Kinley, had Jesse Davis with a good kind of closed down block to erase the edge on a bend back run from Miles Gaskin, but the offense didn't really get a whole lot done yardage wise today. So we'll go back and look at the all 22 and get you more notes on that. Defensively, I had plenty of notes. I had Zach Sealer in here several times winning on the outside shoulder and working down the line of scrimmage with those long, strong arms, the ability to disengage and get off the block and make the tackle at that point. It's one thing to get there, which is impressive enough and tough enough to do, but to get off the block and make the tackle. He's, he's a disruptive force in there, man, getting his hands up in the air, Batten passes down at the line of scrimmage, working working wide, showing the hustle, the retraceability on screen plays. This guy just really checks a lot of the boxes. I think he's playing really, really good football up front. What more can you say about Emmanuel Ogba? Stack and shed for a tackle, pass breakup in this game. Nearly had a PBU that got almost got picked off, I should say. Had the big sack that really just changed the entire course of the game. Running free there, kind of line up on the same side as Shaq Lawson. Free run at the quarterback, get the long arms that kind of come up and down and force Goff into that, that 
tough spot and it, it allows you to get to the ball quicker because you're faster and longer an elite athlete off that edge. So Emmanuel Ogba, another, another big game for him for Miami. And I thought Shaq Lawson was damn good in this game too. Obviously the forced fumble, that's a huge splash play. It's a pass breakup. He tipped a ball at the line on fourth down that really in essence kind of clinched the game there in the fourth quarter up by three scores still. That was big time and had a couple of big plays against the run as well. Shaq Lawson had a very, very nice game off the edge. I thought, I thought Kyle Van Noy was terrific. There were so many hard edges that had to be set in this game. And I thought both he and Andrew Van Ginkle did a bang up job of doing just that and finding ways to create negative runs. It's not all about the total number of yards at the end of the game. It's how many running plays do you win and force the Rams into second and eight, second and seven, eventually third and six, and give yourself a chance to get off the field on third down on defense. Coach Flores talked about that a little bit post game as well, but the Dolphins entered today the first the first ranked third down defense in the NFL. And that might change. I haven't looked around the scoreboard or anything yet, but I can't imagine it changes too much because once again, they were under 40% allowing third down conversions. And Van Noy and Van Ginkle's ability to set hard edges, I thought really played a big part of that, like it did with Ogba and Lawson and Zach Sealer and all the guys that got involved up front up there as well. I thought Elandon Roberts had another good game, really shows his medal, throwing, flying through the middle there, blitzing the, the kind of A gaps as a run blitzer and getting back in the backfield. Had that super impressive, play where he threw the fullback or the tight end coming across the formation, I should say, right back into the running back for a big TFL. Kamu Gruje-Hill had a couple of plays I liked where he was working off the edge, beating blocks for tackles as well. So this entire Dolphins front seven and the back seven, what more can you say? I thought Nick Needham had his best game of the year so far. He was everywhere in coverage, playing physical off the edge. Again, the Rams test your cornerback's physicality on the edge and Byron Jones, Nick Needham, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, and Bobby McCain, the two safeties as well, and Brandon Jones. All these guys were up for the test on that regard. In coverage, they were just as good as well. Blanketing guys deep down the field on those crossers, helping having that robber come down and help those crossers as well. Miami was communicating it well. They were covering well. I thought Jones, Rowe, McCain, Needham, X, all these guys in this game were so, so good on defense and it complemented the front seven so very well. That's how you wind up allowing just 17 points despite two short fields and scoring seven points of your own against an offense that has previously been high ranked in the NFL for the last four or five years there under Sean McVay. So the defensive backs all got the job done and special teams as well. Jakeem, the big kickoff return, Matt Hawk, a bunch of punts down into the 20 yard line once again. So the individual compliments kind of turn into a team compliment there once again, but that's just what this game was, a total team win. Good job by the Miami Dolphins. Three straight wins. And with that, let's go ahead and turn now to the three takeaways from MiamiDolphins.com's own John Kinjemi. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast, as we do every Sunday night, and John, I feel like the last time we joked about the losses on the podcast, we have since won three straight now. So off the third consecutive win, John Kinjemi's Sunday night takeaways from Dolphins 28, Rams 17. John, how you doing this this uh, Sunday night? I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm excited. Um, I'm so glad that the defense and special teams was able to play at a level where, you know, when the offense wasn't having a great day moving the football, uh, they were able to protect the lead by the way they played. And it was fun to watch uh, that flurry of, of action, you know, first quarter, second quarter. It seemed like the defense and special teams really set the table for the entire rest of the game. 
and it played out that way. The Dolphins had their first game in exactly 11 years back in 2009 at the Meadowlands there in New Jersey against the Jets. The Dolphins had an offensive, defensive, and special teams touchdown all in the same game. We talk about complimentary football in 2020 is one of the biggest buzzwords there is, one of the biggest buzz phrases there is. I, I can't think of more complimentary ball than that. And with that, John, I want to go ahead and get to your first takeaway from this Dolphins victory. Well, I think it's just getting points off of turnovers and it's easy scores and it's momentum changing plays that do it. You know, Christian Wilkins started off the fireworks with that interception. He just drops in zone coverage, shows off his athleticism and and Jared Goff throws one right in his lap. So that and the one with Eric Rowe, um, you know, getting the interception it really was momentum changing plays and being able to get points off of those turnovers and then you talk about the the Ogba sack and forced fumble with the Van Ginkle scoop and score and Shaq Lawson doing the same thing and Van Noy getting the fumble recovery and almost getting into the end zone but it leads to points so uh, plays that lead to points getting points off of those turnovers always make uh, winning that much easier and I think the Dolphins did a really good job of that today. Yeah, quick strikes got the defense onto the field often, and they made plenty of plays while they were out there. That was one of the takeaways I had, John, was not just the, the big splash plays that happened, but plays to help set those up, right? Because right before the big takeaway down there in the red zone, you have an, a, a Landon Roberts stuff on it. Or, and the, when we're backed up against our own end zone, I should say, right before the uh, interception or the, the fumble return of Andrew Van Ginkle, you have Elandon Roberts closing that thing down, making a TFL in the backfield. So the setup plays, the complimentary plays that got the Dolphins on the board. John, your second takeaway for this game was what? Special teams were special. You know, they gave a boost to uh, an offense that was struggling to put plays together, positive plays together. Anytime you can see Jakeem Grant you know, over the recent couple of games, be one block away from maybe getting an explosive play. Well, it finally happened today on the 88-yard punt return. Grant was able to, you know, stretch it out with his speed. He really used his speed to get to the Dolphin sideline. And then he waited for Noah Igbenogany to make a key block. And Kayvon Frazier had one right at the end that got him to the opening in the wall. And then he just broke through and, and exploded into the end zone, you know, the rest of the way. He's been one block away pretty much the entire season, it seems like, on some of these punt returns. And then he also had a nice kickoff return. He had one one opportunity for 45 yards. And I thought uh, Hack did a really good job, uh, or Hawk did a really good job of punting the football. Nine punts today, five of them inside the 20-yard line. So you have a special team's uh that, that have been counted on with field goals, but now you get the punting and the return game and it just leads to, leads to points and it leads to field position. And I thought they did an excellent job. Yeah. A couple of guys on the team confirmed exactly what you just said with regards to Jakeem Grant being the one block away. He said that coach kind of told him that pregame and I wasn't sure if he was referring to Flores or coach Crossman, but he said, you know, we're getting close. You're going to get your opportunity today against Johnny Hecker and this Rams punting unit. And then also just the picking guys up when certain elements maybe aren't there. Not that Jason Sanders wasn't there. He just didn't have any field goals to kick, but you have another part of special teams kind of raising the bar and, and making them make plays once again for the third consecutive week. And that brings us to your third and final takeaway for the night, John. I really thought that the pressure, the defensive pressure on the line of scrimmage uh, complemented uh, the coverage that was behind it. So I'm going to say pressure and coverage defensively. We really saw Josh Boyer turn up the heat 
against Jared Goff in this Rams offensive line. And I thought it, it really it married the coverage because Bobby McCain was in and around the line of scrimmage a lot during the football game, and that meant there was going to be zero coverage, which means nobody in center field, or it was going to be just dead man coverage and everybody you know chasing receivers that are very talented. And I thought Howard and Jones and Rowan, and especially Nick Needham, he was one of those guys. McCain's out of the center. Needham was in coverage, and he did a very good job of running around and, and being active. And I thought that that, that allowed the, the uh, pressure at the line of scrimmage to get after Goff. So he didn't have time to get comfortable, be able to sort out where he wanted to go with the football. It led to a lot of batted balls at the line of scrimmage. It led to some throwaways, and it obviously led to some turnovers. So I thought that that pressure – that equal pressure and coverage really married together well, and it really really showed its face uh, for the Miami Dolphins defense. Yeah, I can't wait to watch this game on the All-22. I don't think I've been looking forward to one aspect, like one side of the ball for the Dolphins on an All-22 tape like this defensive performance than I, as I have been in a long time. It's, it's going to be a fun rewatch for us. John, appreciate your time for the three takeaways. He is the co-host of The Audible here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. You can find that on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. So go ahead and check that out. John, appreciate your time tonight, man, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Or I guess two Sundays Absolutely. away, right? Yeah, exactly. We'll see you in two Sundays. See you for Los Angeles again. Part two, the Chargers this time. John, thank you very much. You got it. Thanks, Travis. And so away he goes and away we go on another action-packed Sunday night recap podcast, another Sunday night victory recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. You know where to find us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. We have the written recap, the Emmanuel Ogba spotlight feature from Sunday night out there, and the podcast as well for you guys. So all your Dolphins content on MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.